Good morning and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumser. Morning, Stacey. How's North Carolina? Good morning, John. I'm doing well. North Carolina is very hot right now, but sunny, so you can't complain. So, uh, it, but but uh, weather for the moment is holding well, so we we will take the heat with it. So, are you getting any "We Miss You" letters from um, airline professionals or <laughs> parking lot attendants or hotel concierges? Well, hotels tend to send me a lot of "We miss you" because they like to they like to see the amount of money that you spend at them. But no, I I I I am I am actually missing some of my on the road food. I will have to say that I've eaten an awful lot of uh, um, Trader Joe uh, sausages and uh, canned soup this week, um, and I'm thinking, boy, I really need to get out and get some some real food. But other than that, no, I am I'm doing quite well and enjoying my time at home. So. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Beautiful North Carolina. Just in time for the muggy season. Yes, that is right. Yep, muggy and 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 hot and yeah, we got about two months where it's a little bit rough to be outside, but um, after that, it's beautiful. So I'll take it. <laughs> cool, cool. So, oh, I should I should mention that uh, next Friday, I mean, will be. In Princeton, doing the master class with Gina Kelly, and it's a it's a still time to sign up. Um, it's a, um, a a wonderful day long introduction to the bits and pieces of the human capital technology marketplace, from buyer psychographics to uh, AI to the trends that are driving the industry to what the competitive playing field has looked like to what are the trends in software architecture and business architecture? So, um, looking forward to it. Love yeah, I know that. To do yeah, that. people, if you're new to the industry, that is definitely the session to go to. Um, you couldn't get two people who have been around longer, and saying that in the nicest terms, but also be know the most people in the industry than you and Gina Kelly. So, I, I think it would be well worth anybody signing up for it. So. With that commercial done, what's uh, what's in the mailbag? Oh, I should say also, you know, if you wanted, you can sponsor this webcast and we talk about you each time for 30 seconds. <laughs> yep, yeah. We, we've actually been talking about a couple of organizations who are, who are I think, um, we have had sponsor us in the past this week, but it's it's uh, definitely a, a busy time. I think you know as much as we would think that summer is slowing down, um, and uh, people aren't uh, uh, spending a lot of time thinking about HR technology and HR technology strategies. I would have to say that is incorrect. We've got a lot of stuff going on this week. So um, we have uh, degreed acquiring path gather, which I think is is kicking off what might be the next generation of learning technology, um, you know, uh, market share grabs that we're probably going to see coming out. Um, we have iSIMS hosting their very first partner summit. Um, this is sort of an interesting take because iSIMS is one of the, the larger niche players in the market in the applicant or um, uh, recruiting market. And the idea of partnerships I think is something that we're seeing grow across the board. Uh, we also have some updated research from a couple of different organizations. Um, so there's some new data coming out about HR workforces continuing to grow. Um, in other words, 
as much as we're investing in new technology and spending less in HR, it sounds like HR themselves is actually increasing in the overall amount of people servicing employees. Uh, we also have data this week um, from uh, the Upwork organization, which is basically talking about talent shortages, particularly in the contingent workforce market um, and what organizations are dealing with that, and new uh, technologies that are rolling out, like Tiller, T-I-L-R. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, but they're out of Cincinnati that is taking advantage of that. Uh, we also saw some new um, applications being launched by Saba in their learning and video space, and Beamery received some money this week, $28 million in Series B funding. So lots going on, considering it's the middle of summer and everybody's getting ready to go on vacation, John. <laughs> so where do you want to start? That's a big pile. Yeah, well, let's let's talk a little bit about the degreed um, acquisition. This, I think, you know, I think people have been watching to see what's going to happen in this new learning experience platform area. And this um, – basically acquisition of PathGather, which is a very similar application to Degreed. Degreed is, for those who don't um, know what Degreed is, Degreed is an organization that basically provides an application for employees and organizations to basically access content on a pretty regular basis with a series of algorithms that basically support that accessing of content um, based off of your needs, your desires, your goals. Um, and it does it through a series of questions it asks you versus sort of uh, content categories and um, aggregated curriculums, as you see in a learning management system. So it's sort of the new concept of learning experience um, platforms. And uh, they've purchased a, a competitor in that market called PathGather, um, which makes them the largest at this point, I believe, learning experience platform. And um, the only other uh, organizations right now who I think are, are sort of in the same space is um, the organizations of EdCast. Um, and then you're starting to see organizations like Cornerstone, which we talked about last week, building their own versions of this. Um, and uh, we're expecting Workday and some of the other ones to get into this space as well from a content perspective. Um, so this is this is a new way of looking at learning and development. What do you think about wonder, this, John? Well, it's, it's an interesting thing. So, so all of these operations essentially will give you a um, um, a way of making your learning experiences portable so that you can take the credentials along with it. I think that's where Degreed gets its name. And and it's pretty clear that there's a, a dramatic rethinking of what uh, constitutes learning and development inside of the organization. Some of the stuff I'm seeing in the AI research includes companies that blend the kinds of things that uh, the degree that PathGather did with performance management so that performance management becomes much more of a development conversation. Um, and so, so there's, there's a lot of activity here. I wonder, um, I wonder where the organizational thing is inside of the company, right? Who, who makes yeah. this stuff useful inside of the company? It will be the big market question, don't you think? I think so. You know, it's it's interesting. I, I, I was talking to the Degreed team and a couple other the the newer platforms in this learning experience space, and I've always asked them, who's your buyer? And, you know, half the time it's training and development. 
maybe a quarter then of uh, the rest of the time it's 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 HR, but most of the time it is at the operations or sales teams, right? And so I think the buyer in these areas are are very different from traditional learning management systems and traditional HR systems, and that that creates sort of a different dialogue in the environment. And and that's I think going to be the big conversation is you know, if this is an operations tool. Uh, does it get more application, more adoption than it, the traditional LMSs were, which were considered more of compliance tools, right? Yeah, I, I, I think that's really fascinating because this is an actual development idea rather than a compliance idea. And yeah. I guess what you're saying is that that um, um, many learning and development departments are really just compliance-focused a lot of them, um, yeah. Is that right? I, I think if, if you're talking about those who are primarily set up as an HR function in many cases or as an organizational sort of enterprise-wide function, a lot of times, yes. If they're embedded in operations, we find that that's a little bit different. But at an enterprise level, a lot of the training that's being tracked in learning management systems right now, if that is their focus as an LMS, is compliance, yes. Oh, that was a long answer. So, so I think, <laughs> I think, I think that what you said is that that not every company has somebody who would be a logical buyer for this kind of product. Yeah. Right? I think they're still trying to figure out who their buyer is. That's part of the question. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so, so I don't know how to tell how long it takes for a new way of doing things to percolate when you have that kind of a problem. Right, um, um, that 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 it's a really good idea, but there isn't a clear buyer. Um, so it'll be it'll be fascinating to see how they do. Yeah, and I think it's also why you're probably seeing this connection to performance in some of the applications you're seeing with the artificial intelligence. Because if it's an operations buyer, the conversation lends itself much more to performance. If it's a training or HR buyer, I think the conversation lends itself probably more to content. Right. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Cool. And so, so I assume Michelle's its first partner summit, um, and and I thought that was notable because this idea that um, one company is at the hub of an ecosystem rather than being a standalone thing seems to be catching fire. And all of the major vendors have um, an operating ecosystem. It's it's um, uh, it's different. It's different. It's not like it was in the old days where there was sort of a supply chain. This is this is when the implementation companies go to install um, the tool. They install it with functionality from other tools as well. Um, and so and so, what the client gets is a relatively custom installation composed of functionality from different vendors. Right? And I think but, one of the that's what partnership looks like today, right? It, it very much so. And 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 you know, a lot of times in the past partnership models like you said were supply chains, they they were the they were a big company would partner with smaller firms um with the idea of filling in holes they might have, right? Um but what we're seeing now is more of a relationship based partnership model, right? Where 
we're seeing that the partners that they're listing here at this iSEAMS event are ADP, Ultimate Software, Infor, Talent Science, right? For them to have a partner summit where they're bringing in companies that are actually larger than them, right, and who are part of their ecosystem from a relationship perspective, but they won't be um, selling on the same paper or anything like that. They'll be selling as a solution that has a predefined integration in some cases, like the Ultimate integration that they just announced. Um, that's a different different perspective than just filling holes, right? Right, right, right. So, so, so the world is changing, and in order to play in the world, you have to have how you fit into which ecosystem nailed up. Yeah. That's really interesting. So, so good for ISIMs. Good for ISIMs. They're doing a lot of things to act like a grown-up company. It's uh, it, it, yeah, and as a niche player, they're one of the probably, at least in, in the research that we've been doing, one of the few niche players that are able to sort of really um, command a, a large enough audience um, and a large enough market share to, to end up on the research side, uh, seeing numbers that are continuously increasing. So. Huh. Huh. Well, good to them. So then, then in the middle of all of this economic explosion, uh, companies are hiring more and more people to work in HR. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that nice to know? The, the industry is, is safe. Yeah, you should have a job for a while, yeah. Uh, this report, um, it's been done for a couple of years, right? It uh, was done in conjunction with the Society of Human Resource, the SHRM, which is the big annual event that actually just happened in Chicago, which a lot of news has come out about this week about the conference content. We didn't see a lot of vendors announce uh, many big sort of um, changes or technology announcements during this event um, like we see at other conferences, but a, but a lot of information about the workforce itself. And basically what they're saying is that the HR departments are increasing the number of HR professionals per employee. Um, so basically they're saying that the median is 1.5 employee HR professionals for every 100 uh, employees in the workforce. And that, that is definitely increasing. You know, we've seen that a lot lower in the past. So. Yeah, it's, 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 it says it's an all-time high, and this is a Bloomberg analysis. So, yeah. so that's pretty amazing. Um, I wonder if people are starting to realize that SHRM is not really a HR technology conference, but it's more like a, um, a good place to meet users of the systems. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that must be part of the subtext of what you were saying. Yeah, and there's uh, a lot. Yeah. So Tiller, skills-based staffing. <laughs> yeah. So we've seen a lot of announcements and conversations this, this week and over the, the last couple of um, years about, you know, the gig economy increasing and growing rapidly. Um, although just recently there was an announcement that basically said, based on the Labor Bureau statistic data, that they actually feel that, the gig economy as they track it has gone down. Um, the question is, are they tracking it the way everybody else is tracking it? Um, is it being tracked as part-time employees or 1099s or contractual employees? There's a lot of different ways or temp to perm employees to track it, and everybody seems to track it a little bit differently. Um, but Tiller is an organization that is, for lack of a better term, basically created a software that is allowing um, the end user to go in, enter the skill sets, enter the type of uh, roles and jobs they want, and then get matched up to hourly 
um, temporary work environments, um, and it has an algorithm that continues to keep information about how well that employee worked in those roles. There's feedback loops. Um, it's pretty much the temp to hire model, but with a with a deeper technology built into it. Um, now. You know, if you talk to organizations like Manpower and those type of organizations, they would probably say they have similar tools. Um, but this program is is very sort of consumer driven and uh, is definitely not putting themselves out there as a as attempt to hire business in the same fashion, right? That's interesting. So, so we should maybe maybe next week have a long conversation about what's in the gig economy because yeah. the, the, the 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 that report you you mentioned talks about. Um, a decline in in the contingent workforce, and um, I think when people talk about the gig economy, they're probably um, talking about both part time work and contingent work. I'm I'm pretty sure of that now, right? And so 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 let's dig a little bit further into that. Um, um, welcome to the game, Tiller. How about yeah. Saba? Saba's um, Saba's launched their new uh, video as well as recognition and rewards applications um, for their uh, talent management suite that's out in the market. Um, I was a a little surprised on this one because I had I kind of thought that Saba already had a video um, delivery mechanism, but it looks like they've sort of purchased or sort of implemented a, a newer version of it. Um, in this format, it's a little bit more along the lines of what we're seeing Cornerstone and Workday do uh, with the sort of capability to provide uh, recommendations on the videos and the content that would be most valuable to you. Um, and But they're also allowing you to be able to add that content into their traditional learning management system platforms, um, as well as a new uh, recognition and rewards uh, um, module within their uh, application. So I haven't heard something from Saba for quite some time as far as big updates. So I think this this is a pretty big announcement for them uh, that they're making headway here. That's that's fantastic. So, so what do you think about recognition and reward programs? Do you think they work? Well, you know, it'll be interesting to see. So, one of the questions we asked on the survey this year is which applications that you implemented over the last twelve months have had the greatest impact on your organization. Now, I haven't analyzed the data yet, but I did go in and take a look as we've now closed the survey at the anecdotal information and what people are writing. And I will tell you, there was a lot of recognition and reward applications listed in that <laughs> write-in uh, question. So, you know, I think they, they have an impact if they're used appropriately, but um, they um, are often seen as fluffy. And I, so I think it depends a great deal on how you use it. <laughs> fluffy, that's good. Is that a good word? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's a that's a much kinder view than I have of them. So, I know. so, <laughs> so, so let's let's. I can't wait to see the data. I can't wait to see the data. <laughs> we'll see if my anecdotal insights uh, play out when we actually count up all the numbers. But I mean, obviously, you don't think rewards and recognitions uh, play a big part. Uh, do you think this was a, a move from Saba that wasn't as valuable as some of the other moves they could have made? Oh, you, you, you know, this, well, first of all, first of all, rewards and recognition software really works for a little bit so people get used to it. It's like any Hawthorne effect. You can put something new in and you get a big bang out of it. And if you're really good 
with titrating the experience out. You can make a rewards and recognition program be a adrenaline injector into the organization for a long time, for a long time. But like any sort of super sugary thing, um, there's a kind of a, of a diabetes almost that sets in when you have these things in place. You know, when everybody has said thank you to everybody for everything that they ever did a thousand times, uh, <laughs> you either just get immune to it or you get deadened by it. Right. And and being immune is okay because you can you can reject the the one program and find some other program. But if it deadens people, um um it, it becomes a factor in burnout. Uh, and so so I I don't look very kindly on rewards and recognitions program because it it seems to me to be mm, not very well. The consequences are not very well understood. Nobody yeah, looks at, at what happens over five years. They only look at what happened year to year. And year to year, which which makes sense because we asked just about what had the greatest impact in the last twelve months. That might be why we got more of them. Um, but I think you know you are correct in some way. I mean, it, it reminds me when I first entered the workforce um, in my very first corporate job, they had the stars right. So they had these little star post-it note thingies that you could write someone's, you know, thank you for, and, you know, and you'd post them on someone's cubicle, the same same concept, right? And after a while, the stars became these kind of silly things that everyone's like, I'm giving you a star because you showed up to work today. <laughs> right, um, exactly. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they could be very badly used. I, I do believe that having talked to some of the rewards and recognition um, platforms out there right now that are really trying to change the thinking around this and make it a performance-based approach as well as a as a, a model for how you want your culture to work within your, your organization. I do think that they, they have an impact, but it has to be done with a very serious intent and not with a pay you to do something or just say thank you conversation, right? It has to be rewards and recognitions in the terms of what is valuable to the employees and valuable to the business. And and that's a much harder implementation, right? That's not just putting in place the technology. Yeah, you know, I've, I've been involved in the conversation this week about whether or not you can get um, accurate feedback about the hiring process from people who are in the process of being hired or, or not being hired, who are applicants. And and it would be my view that it's impossible to get good data um, when you um, have a job that somebody's after, right? And so, so the same thing I think applies to these these rewards and recognition programs, which is which is the impact of this stuff is way bigger than it looks, and it doesn't always feel good. Sometimes it feels extremely coercive, um, and and the people who are doing the coercive stuff don't generally understand that that's how it feels, right? Because they're not on the receiving end of it. Um, it's like any any managerial thrust inside of an organization always carries the risk of telling employees that the boss now wants to hear what he wants to hear and doesn't want to hear anything else. Right, that that kind of feel 
is is part of the problem with things. You just can't get good data that way. Well, and it's interesting, you know, United, um, you know, one of the one of the big speakers at the Sherm event this year was the the United uh, uh head of HR and they were talking about over the last year, if you'll remember in the news, how they had put out sort of that bonus you know, program for individuals, you know, that was sort of a rewards and recognition that basically put their entire workforce in an uproar <laughs> um, and required them to pull back the concept and decide to build in some team-based uh, bonuses that were specific to goals they were trying to reach. Um, and, you know, so I think you're right. I mean, I think you have to be very careful with how things like this are rolled out because they can seem as much of a uh, tendency to be a penalty as they are what you think is a good idea, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, so we've got a bounty full of stuff left. Uh, where do you want to go? Well, you know, I think um, what's sort of interesting is Beamery. I mean, this is the talent acquisition space is continuing to grow and increase. Uh, Beamery is one of those names that we've been hearing a lot about. They received $28 million in Series B funding um, for their what they call their talent CRM. Uh, we've had a lot of conversations about whether or not there is a separate application from the applicant tracking system, right? Is there an applicant tracking recruiting system and a a talent sort of CRM level uh, system to uh, recruiting. You work a lot in the recruiting space. I mean, what do you think about this? Do you think that this type of investment, which it looks like they're going to be spending on sort of increasing their, um, you know, marketing and increasing their uh, employees and hiring, is this something that, um, is there really two separate applications that are being developed here, or is this a matter of things eventually coming together as a full talent acquisition suite everybody's talking about? Um. So, so yes, it's a, it's a separate thing. This is a separate thing. Um, yeah, imagine that um, the ATS is the catcher's bit, and what you're looking for is the pitcher. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a relationship like that, right? A, an ATS is important for um, a whole range of things that boil down to either. Uh, governmental regulation or internal process regulation inside of the organization, right? And so, so, so the ATS is a documentation and workflow tool. Um, and um, if you imagine that it's kind of like a meat grinder or something, then the um, um, this other functionality is the functionality that collects all of the candidates to put through the meat grinder. Um, and um, so, so they're very different things. They're very different things. And the mindset is the difference between being inside the organization and outside the organization. So, so it takes two different ways of thinking to execute the function. And and do you think you know um, you know one of the things we're, we're hearing in the market is that you know it's just a matter of time before the ATS is sort of build this capability, but what I'm hearing from you is that they probably, it's, it's sort of very similar to what we were just talking about with the learning management system and the learning experience platforms. If you're just not designed, if you're designed for compliance and workflows and regulations, can you be flexible enough to be the front end, the user experience uh, in a way that people want today? And I, I think that's what you're saying. Is that correct? Yeah. So, so, so in the hiring process, there are three players. 
right? There's the hiring manager, there's the recruiter, and there's the potential employee. And each of those three players, do you know the, the poem about the blind wise men and the elephant? Uh, it's the one where the, the king sends out his blind wise men to see who stop and they, they get to the elephant. And one blind wise man says an elephant is like a suitcase. And the other one says, no, an elephant is like a hose. And the other one says, no, an elephant is like a broom. And the other one says, no, it's got these really sharp things on it. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And so so those points of view, those radically different points of view, are not reconcilable into a single point of view. Um, You have to to be able to see the whole elephant, and and that's not how you want people to work. And so, so, so what it means is, is each of these communications possibilities amongst those three players is a radically different perspective that probably requires radically different specialization. Yeah. Which gets us back to the importance of integration and partnerships these days, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, that, that's why I, we're starting to have a much better view of what organizations actually do and how they actually behave and and it is not easy or or generally possible to to do a couple of these things simultaneously. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, it's. It, I think we're going to be talking a lot more about this idea of partnerships and integration over time. Um, the the marketplaces, or whether it's just open APIs, or whether it's the system integrators as part of that relationship versus the other vendors. Um, I think this idea of an ecosystem is becoming a bigger management model for the head of HR technology than even managing the technology in and of itself, right? There's a lot of players that are now in the picture, and it's not just it's different technologies. It's different roles they're playing, right? Uh, and you need all of them. So this, this is going to oh, be, I think, a much oh, longer conversation. This is good. You and I should offer a class called How to Manage Your, your HR Ecosystem. <laughs> There you go. Yep, exactly. <laughs> that, 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 we, we need a little help, but that that would be a really good class. It it would be, and I think it's I think it's a topic that's a that's a difficult one right now. I think people are struggling with the idea that it's not just about individual technologies; it's the ecosystem and how it all fits together. And uh, you know, that's been a conversation for a long time, but I don't think we've ever approached it that way from a management perspective. At least from what from talking to a lot of the technologists in the in the organizations, they're struggling to see it that way. So it's, it's, yep. it would be very interesting, of course, yeah. Right, because what that, what that really says is what matters is your data, and we're going to organize functionality around your data. Exactly, yes. And and we have never done that before. We've always managed around features and functions and processes. Um, so now that we fixed the whole world, John, well, no, <laughs> we've run no, through we all our topics today. We, yeah. We didn't fix the whole world, but we most certainly did get a very clear articulation of what the next generation of technology looks like. Yeah, that was good. That was that was worth the extra time. Cool. Thanks. It was a great conversation, Stacy. Yeah. We'll be here next week. Um, We are going to take off the week of July 4th, I think we've decided. Uh, That week we're going to give a a break for everyone here in the United States. It's uh, uh, definitely a a holiday week, so just so everyone knows that week we won't be doing an event, but we will be here next week and looking forward to talking to everybody again. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. Thanks so much for being here. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. 